Welcome to Day 29, Shaped by the Word, Season 3, The Story of the Prophets. I'm Paul Kemp, here with Cindy Kemp, David Keefe, and Matt Kresge. We're continuing our journey through the prophets, which you found in the last third of your Old Testament. Uh, these are beautiful literary pieces, but they're very poignant in their charges against Israel. Uh, you remember the nation of Israel had their golden moment under David, who was a king after God's own heart. And then Solomon built the temple, expanded the city, expanded the borders of the city, but their prosperity led to uh, their downfall and their neglect of God. And so you continue to hear that in the voices of the prophets. Uh, they've divided into two kingdoms right after Solomon. So you have a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is immediately erected uh, the idols, you know, that they worshipped in the wilderness, these golden calves, uh, they're worshipping again. So there's a lot of idolatry, there's a lot of religious ritualism, there's a lot of going through the motion, and there's a, a deep neglect for the very least of those among them, for the widows, for the orphans, for the immigrants. And so you continue to hear these charges. And so we're in the middle of Micah. Micah's kind of an interesting uh, guy. He lets us know, I'm not from Jerusalem. And he's a prophet to both Samaria and Jerusalem, the capitals of the two uh, different nations at this time. And uh, he speaks to Samaria, even as Samaria goes into or is defeated by the Assyrians and is spread throughout the nations. And he begins to prophesy in Jerusalem about the impending coming of the Babylonian destruction that they'll go through. He's contemporaries with Hosea. So Hosea would be prophesying in Samaria while uh, Micah's prophesying in Samaria, and he's also a contemporary with Isaiah. Matter of fact, uh, some of the passages are so familiar, they're almost identical. You can hear echoes of Micah in Isaiah, and you can hear echoes of Isaiah in, in Micah. And interestingly enough, you want to put him in a setting, although it's about 100 years later, Jeremiah is still quoting uh, Micah, and the people of uh, Jeremiah's day are quoting Micah. Uh, uh, back to Jeremiah as well. So we're Micah chapter 2. And uh, as always, before we uh, read, we always pause uh, to receive what God has for us in His Word, a wonderful gift that He's given us. Father, we thank You that You have spoken to us uh, in creation. We see Your power and Your glory. And we thank You that You've revealed Your heart and Your character and Your Word. And we thank You for the clarity we have in Your Word through the vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, may you use these, may you use your power and your glory, your your word, and uh, the vision of Christ we have in your word uh, to do your work in us. You're a good and a gracious God. May you stir our affections for you, may you draw us close to you, and Father, may you give us a vision for being the people you created us and redeemed us to be. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Uh, Micah chapter 2. Woe to those of you who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light they carry it out because it's in their power to do it. They covet fields and they seize them and houses and take them. They defraud people of their homes and rob them of their inheritance. Therefore the Lord says, I'm planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. You will no longer walk proudly for it will be a time of calamity. And that day people will ridicule you. They will taunt you with this mournful song. You were utterly ruined. My people's possession is divided up. He takes it from me. He assigns our fields to traitors. Therefore, you will have no one in the assembly of the Lord to divide the land by lot. Do not prophesy, their prophets say. Do not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. 
your descendants, O Jacob, should it be said, Does the Lord become impatient? Does he do such things? Do not my words do good uh, to the one who says they are upright? Lately my people have risen up like an enemy. You strip off the rich robe from those who pass by without a care, like men returning from a battle. You drive the women of my people from their pleasant homes. You take away my blessing from their children forever. Get up and go away, for this is not your resting place, because it is defiled, it is ruined beyond all remedy. If a liar and deceiver comes to you, says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, that would be just the prophet for these people. I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I'll bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. You notice in this uh, a common rhythm among the, the prophets. Uh, the prophets are really anthologies of oracles and, and of pronouncements. Largely what they're doing is they're pronouncing a, a lawsuit against Israel because they have broken the covenant. And when you hear these severe punishments, these are punishments that God has promised his people in Deuteronomy that will come upon them if they wander away from him and if they put their trust mm-hmm. in other kings and in their riches. And, and so you see that happening in the nation of Israel. And so a people without their God is a people that are destitute and, and, and destined for ruin. And the ruin is not just a consequence of uh, you know, natural actions. It's also an act of God's judgment to bring them to repentance. But you find there at the end, uh, moving from an oracle of judgment to an oracle of restoration and to an oracle, oracle of comfort. And you talk about the king that will go before them. And, of course, that's where you have the vision of Christ and, and the vision of hope in this particular passage. You have to, you have to love. I mean, Micah is, especially if we could read it in the original. We'd see so much wordplay. You know, he, he's full of it. Yep, that's right. And, and here in chapter two, you know, what are those mm. who plan iniquity? You know, the, to those who plot evil on their beds, and and so you see the the sinfulness of, of God's people here. They're planning iniquity, and then you know the Lord says, "But I'm planning disaster against His people." Yep. And so you have, you know, the, uh, ra and ra. Yeah, and and the crazy thing with this is the extent to which their iniquity um, goes is to the to the fields and to the land that God had gifted them. I mean, this was part of the, the covenant promises that God would, you know, bless them, would give them, bring them into a land. And, and here they are seizing one another's land, you know, no regard for the promises of God, no regard for the gift God had given, but their iniquities. And, and no regard for the, you know, for the weak and uh, those that are lacking power and lacking say. Yeah. And as you can stay up, you know, late at night, and of course, there's kind of a vision there of, you know, what's taking place in the darkness on your beds, and you can, I think of all these evil things, and you can just get up and do them because you can do them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've certainly heard some of our you know, politicians say that before. You know, why in the world did you do what you did just because I could? And that's exactly what they're doing, and they are taking advantage of, and and they're not only you know stealing. Uh, stealing land, but they're stealing a blessing given to the people, you yeah. know, by the Lord. So uh, they're uh, defiling Him and the people both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we see how easy it is for us to have that power to go and and to do evil and to think about the things we we want and desire and covet. And again, just like them, I, I find that in my own life, right? The desire, yeah, to want these things and desire these things, and my desires. I keep finding aren't going towards 
the Lord and the grace and all the goodness he's given me, but they're going towards all these other things and they're actually pulling me away from him. And, and we obviously see the, the people here being pulled away from the Lord towards fields and houses and, and defrauding and just all these terrible things. And, and yet it is still so common today. Now, you, uh, of course, we have you know, in Reformed theology, we talk about total depravity, and total depravity uh, you know, sounds really bad. And I was about to say it's not as bad as it sounds. It's actually worse than it sounds because total depravity means that sin affects every part of who we are. And uh, at its very root, it affects our desires and our longings. And, and so we long for things and desire things that are, are not things that will ultimately satisfy, but ultimately things that lead us away from God as well. And, and to take advantage of others, you know, in, in getting them. So you have that picture of, uh, you know, of the, of the heart of man turned towards sin. Uh, living for self rather than living for God and using others as a means to an end rather than uh, loving your neighbor uh, as yourself. So these are the indictments of the prophets all, all the way through. Mm-hmm. You know, verse 6, do not prophesy. Their prophets say, do not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. And so there's just a, um, I don't know, just a denial of, of what Micah is speaking to them and a denial that God would even be impatient with them, that he uh, would rebuke them or overtake them. And so it's in a, a very closed place for these prophets no, and, and these people. You know, and that's obviously what Paul has in mind when he warns Timothy in the latter days, people will surround themselves with a whole lot of teachers mm-hmm. uh, that'll teach them exactly what their listening ears want to hear. We gravitate you know, toward messages that affirm who we are and affirm what we're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, no matter which you know, political party you're in, you're going to read the text of Scripture yeah. as an affirmation of your values, and you're going to miss in the text of Scripture where it challenges your values. And, and of course, this is always true for us, that we can find ourselves in the middle of, uh, like Israel, as far from God as we could possibly be, but reading Scripture as a way of justification rather than as a way of challenge and a way of confrontation and a way of conviction mm-hmm. you know, in it. And, and, of course, that's one of the things that we really need to be aware of when we read Scripture mm-hmm. uh, and be prayerful about because we, we do always read you know, with, with, with blinders. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we let Scripture affirm us without letting scripture challenge us mm-hmm. and, and of course yeah. you have to you didn't you know finish the whole sequence when you come yeah. <laughs> you know, get down to if a liar or deceiver comes and yeah. says i will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer so you've got the job mm-hmm. you're our guy you know you're prophesying good times you're prophesying you know prosperity you're prophesying you know things that even feed our vices mm-hmm. and uh, that's mm-hmm. the kind of teacher we want to hear that affirms us at every every point you know mm-hmm. uh, that we're, we're living uh, even if it does need to be challenged by Scripture, and and you have to love again the picture you have of, uh, you know, of uh, the shepherd gathering his, yeah. you know, gathering his people. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hear this. This is going to be a big theme, you know, especially as we get into, you know, uh, you know Jeremiah and Ezekiel, how the people have been scattered by their shepherds, and they'll be gathered by a one shepherd. And, and you have to love this, you know, lim- little image, the one who breaks through and you have all the rubble, you know, the, the coming rubble, you know, they don't see it yet of Jerusalem, you know, how he'll break through and how he'll come back into the city and lead them into that. And of course, uh, you see, uh, you don't see this 
in the return, you know, from the exile, you finally you know, we see this in, in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those things as we read the prophets, mm-hmm. we're going to see so many images that Jesus picks up and, and says, mm-hmm. you know, here, I am the good shepherd. You know, I am the one that mm-hmm. shepherds my people. And, and just, I mean, this is, these are the books that Jesus read and, you know, he fam- was familiar with and, and not just, I mean, he fulfills. And so as we read the prophets, we're just reminding time and time mm-hmm. again of these images that draw us and point us to Jesus. And you have to love the last line there. King will pass through before them the Lord at their head. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have an image of a king who is the Lord. And, and of course, you know, that seems to be a dual image here, but it's combined in the person of Christ who is both um, both our king and, and, and our Lord. And that, what a wonderful picture that is. Cindy, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? No, I don't mind. Father, I um, thank you for this time in your word. And these are certainly strong words to us. Um, my prayer for our hearts today is that we would be people who um, have eyes wide open to the truth of your word and the truth of our own hearts, and that as conviction comes by your spirit, that we'd be willing to um, listen and uh, learn and to change. So, Father, thank you for these words. Thank you for the things that you want to teach us. May they deepen our faith and our love uh, for you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.